Welcome to the Pretty Little Leader Podcast, the podcast that provides women with actionable strategies to navigate the jungle of corporate America while ensuring that our personal lives don't get lost in the shuffle. The goal of the Pretty Little Leader Podcast is to help us ladies anticipate the gender and racial gaps in our careers and realize how to use our most powerful weapon, which is our emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Ebony Wiley, wife, mom of three, career coach, and past executive at one of America's most admired companies. I want you to think about Pretty Little Leader like a fireside chat with your girlfriends. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Leader podcast. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Leader podcast. Today I have Ezenwani Abi. So today I have my old neighbor, who I call Zaya, with me. Zaya is a powerhouse in and of herself. She has a, a lot going on. Um, <laughs> she is a multi-passionate entrepreneur uh, who recently left her corporate job to do some big things uh, that she's passionate about. So welcome, Zaya. Thank you very much, Ebony, for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. So am I. So Zaya used to live across the street from me um, until maybe, what, a year or so ago? Is that right? Yeah, I think, um, actually, yeah, two years now, early 18. Ah, two years. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes as women, you have to recognize when, you know, people are operating at a level of excellence like yourself, you it's you have to befriend them and really understand what they're good at, what they're doing, and not be, you know, at odds. Because sometimes women can be a little competitive. And I think, Zaya, you and I hit it off from the beginning, like, hey, teach me this. Well, you know about this, right? Just right. recognizing each other's superpowers, right? Absolutely. It is more beneficial when you're able to tap into someone else's uh, expertise and learn from them because we all have an opportunity to learn. So it's always a great thing. So in the, in the introduction, I mentioned that Zaya uh, left her corporate job and now she is focusing her on building her business, which is a law practice, real estate, business strategy. And she has a lot to offer. I know she has her MBA from Howard University. Thank you. Um, which, with everything going on with Kamala Harris being nominated as the next potential vice president, I'm sure the HU alumni are going crazy. Yep. Okay, I'm I'm rather than HU under my breath, but yes, we're very excited. (laughs) I'm sure. I am so sure. And then you also have your JD from the University of Houston. Go Cougs. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. All right. And so could you tell us a little bit about your company? Yes. So my law practice is uh, Abi and Associates PLLC based here in Houston, Texas. And I'm mostly virtual right now, of course, with everything going on. I am licensed in Maryland and Houston. And I've been part time for a couple of years because I actually started while I was still employed. Um, and this year I decided to go full time. So I am really focused on real estate law because I am a realtor. I like real estate investments. And I found that my passion around that space um, has been helpful for others as well. So real estate law is uh, my primary area of focus. But I also support people with their estate planning and their business setups and, of course, business planning. And in some cases, when it's required bankruptcy as well. 
So Zai, you mentioned that you actually started your company while you were working. So talk to us about when you knew it was time to walk away and the steps that you started to take in order to be prepared. Okay. Um, I will try not to be too long-winded on this part. So when did I know it was time? Um, it's always been an inkling to do something entrepreneurial, but I I would say I was a little nervous. I have young kids and it just didn't make sense to really jump into it when I first started thinking about it maybe five, six years ago. Um, over time, however, things would happen, right? I, there was a particular incident I remember because I am licensed in Maryland and I moved to Texas and I never actually transferred my license. So I didn't think of going back into law. I missed it and I wanted to work for myself, but I didn't really think too much about it. However, I remember this particular incident, which is something that every time I talk to other women about it, of course you recognize when, when your, um, let's see, when your work is somewhat diminished in a certain sense. So I'll explain. I had done some some review, contract reviews on a project I was working on. And in this sense, I was working from a supply chain perspective using my MBA more so than my law degree. And I remember the attorney uh, looking at the contract and saying to me, wow, you did such a great job. You should be my paralegal. <laughs> and at the time, of course, I, had, I didn't disclose to everyone I was licensed. My manager knew that I was licensed in any state. Um, my manager knew, and she mentioned, you know, she's actually an attorney. And the lady at the time was like, oh, wow. You know, and she said, she literally, I don't, I don't think she caught herself, but she said, oh, wow, what are you doing here? And for some reason, that really kind of bit a little bit. I didn't think it was an insult, but I, I think it kind of woke me up in a, in a different way. Because um, I remember looking up the person and realized that I graduated law school before her, not an issue, but I, I just, really, the question just stuck with me. What am I doing here and why? And I had to sit on that for a little bit. I think the next week I just went ahead and applied to take the bar in Texas because I realized I couldn't wave in. But I look at that moment as a trigger. So I do believe sometimes the universe will send people to you somehow to alert you to something that you should be doing, to redirect you, to kind of recharge your focus. Because my concern about the kids being young, I, I could have I could have done it. <laughs> there are people who do it with young kids all the time. But I realized that I was uh, I was afraid. So her comment was a trigger for me to get started. Right. And her comment not being negative, she just literally didn't know right but that sparked something in you to say I have more potential than what I'm actually doing right now absolutely absolutely and that's what it is I don't believe it was negative at all I just believe it was a message that I needed to hear and I was in a space where I was ready to listen right I had just I think at the time my kids were still about two and three um so I was ready to listen. I was I was not dealing with newborns. I wasn't as stressed out, but I was ready to listen. And the fact that it stuck with me and really, really aggravated me in a way <laughs> that I thought, you know, this is ridiculous. Why am I doing this? And also realizing personally that I want to work for myself. You know, not everybody wants to do that, but I've always wanted to do that. It was just a matter of time and, and uh, opportunity. So with that, I jumped. And what did you start to do? What did you do? <laughs> so now yeah. she's awakened this beast within, right? You're like, I'm, I hear her yep. and it's in your head as you're laying there at three o'clock in the morning going, why am I doing this? So you registered to take the bar here in Texas. What else did you do? 
Yep. Registered to take, take the bar in Texas. Um, while I was studying for the bar, I went ahead and set up my business because I am licensed in Maryland. So I started doing some you know, immigration cases and really got into trying to get into bankruptcy because it was a federal, um, it was a federal, it's a federal area, practice area. And you know, I started doing things on a part-time basis. I registered to take the bar. I, of course, with two young kids and a full-time job, I failed the bar the first time. And I decided, you know, I would just keep my practice, um, a Maryland practice and be virtual and just do the things in Texas that are federal law, like immigration. But that didn't happen because I woke up after about a week on that idea and decided to do the bar again. <laughs> so I registered right again for the bar the second time. Once again, two young kids, full-time job. I failed it a second time. Um, but there is this thing when you're determined, there's only, you know, yeah, I'm not necessarily one that's good at quitting things, but I, I failed it the second time and I went right back in. And I think the third time I was mad at the Texas bar. <laughs> so I, I literally, I told my kids be home for a month. I'm sorry. I told my job I was gone. I just abandoned everything and everyone for about a month and well, maybe three weeks. And I lived on caffeine for a while. And eventually I, I passed the bar in Texas. But as I mentioned, I'd registered the business because it now felt like something that I had to do, right? I couldn't register the business and then back out. And the more I tried to take the exam or the more that dream and desire continued to burn within me, the more I realized I actually was beginning to hate working or going to work. It was no longer serving me. It was not, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't really look forward to it. Um, my entire being, passion, desire, focus had become redirected to this idea of having and building my own thing. And how did that affect your personal relationships? Uh, it was, I, I'd say for that year and a half or 12, 15 months of going through that, it was interesting because I had to become unavailable. I had to become unavailable. It was just such a big part of my future desire, future goals. I mean, my friends were understanding, people who knew me well personally were understanding, but I realized that in a lot of ways, I, I withdrew from you know things that I normally would do. My happy hours instead of biweekly were now once every month or once every two months. So some of my social, um, some of my social interactions had to be limited. But I remember reading somewhere, I forget the book I read, that at some point you can only focus on two areas of your life. If you have family and you have work and you have friends, when there is a particular goal in one area, there will be an area that will suffer. Now, you owe it to yourself to talk to the people that are you know, around you that will benefit or lose and explain the situation to them and let them know that it's temporary. So I did try to get ahead of things like that and manage the relationship so they don't suffer long-term. Gotcha. Okay, so now you, you've left the corporate job, you're building a business, mm -hmm. and in our pre-interview, you were telling me that it's really around personal empowerment. Can you give us a little more context on what you're focused on, what you're passionate about, and the types of services that you deliver to your clients? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned earlier, trying to define what I'm doing, I have the legal practice and I, of course, have the real estate because I'm a licensed realtor as well. And I consider myself more of a strategist, both in personality and in what I'm trying to do. So I'll explain. With my legal practice, I want to work with clients and have a more personal family lawyer type engagement with people, right? I don't want it to be, it is a transactional practice, but I don't want it to be all out, all about the paper. I actually want to talk to people, empower them, educate them on what we're doing and why. I like engaging people and advising them on the best, especially from the business perspective. If you're starting your business, there are things to put in place. Some people don't consider those things important until there's a problem. Contracts, agreements with people, documentation, um, also estate planning, which kind of comes in when you're thinking of any sort of continuity or continuation from your business. So I try to have a holistic perspective when I'm speaking with people or when I'm encouraging them or advising them on what they have to do. Um, and secondly, from a real estate perspective, I tend to work with real estate investors, not necessarily, uh, you know, home buyer just for your personal residence, but real estate investors, I love talking planning, strategizing with them. A lot of times my clients are not well-versed in real estate. They do not really know all the opportunities that are in Houston. I like to drive them around, once again, have a personalized interaction, engagement with them, show them what's happening, talk about plans, talk about their view, their vision for what they're trying to create, and then find a way that I can help them. Um, from a strategic standpoint, which really it's something that has just been falling into place. I don't think I, I didn't start off wanting to say, here, I'm a strategist, let's talk. But I've found that as I am growing my business and as I've you know taken a couple of years to plan out the business of what the business would look like and what my branding would look like and how I will present myself, I've had a few people come to me to discuss their plans for their businesses to discuss you know the messaging they're trying to put out there to discuss how they want to package themselves present themselves what they should be working on on the back end and quite often i find that we all aren't of course we all have our strengths and weaknesses but not everyone is necessarily a strategic personality so whatever it is someone else is working on, they may not come at it from a strategic viewpoint. That means thinking ahead, planning ahead, you know, structuring what they would like to work on and when and how to deliver the results they're looking for. So that has become something that is on the side, but it does come along as a, as a personalized interaction, a personalized service that I offer to specific individuals that work well with me. Um, but in all, in any scenario, it is a, a holistic perspective on helping that individual attain the results they're looking for. And what does that look like during COVID? So I know most of it's been virtual, but what does that look like? It is interesting because I, COVID, I left, I put in my resignation end of February. My last day at work was March 15th and we all went on a shutdown. It's actually March 12th, I believe. Um, and we all went on a shutdown by the 17th, the 16th or so. So my entire full-time business or my entire experience as a business owner so far has been during COVID. It is it has its challenges because I love dealing and seeing and meeting with people. I love engaging in, in, in physical space with people. And this is not as possible. So 
Um, I have still been able to do that on a very limited basis. I have been able to still get clients. Of course, Zoom has been great. Um, I've been able to work with clients and help clients. And on the real estate side, I've been able to engage with people. I mean, I, we can give an address or location to meet. I will talk on the phone. We're not always in physical presence, but I'm still able to engage and advise. And with any potential um, coaching or uh, strategy planning clients, it's still the same. Um, of course, it's not growing. Things are not moving as quickly or growing as fast as I would like because I am home with two little people and trying to do this. But I actually appreciate the pace. I think the pace is forcing me to slow down and think a bit more and plan a bit more and kind of just observe as things as things change, observe and see what happens as things progress. So it hasn't been terrible. <laughs> gotcha. And, and what's your plan post-COVID? So you're, I hear what you're saying. The pace is great. It kind of gives you a chance to establish and build. But what is your, like, when this thing clears up, these are the things that I'm going to do? When this thing clears up, I um, really, I'm just putting some things in place. I think I like the idea of a virtual practice, quite honestly. Um, I, will, I will meet in person if necessary, but I am enjoying the idea of being mostly virtual. I would like to speak more. So have engagements where I'm actually talking to or advising more people. Um, so I'm putting those things in place, at least just putting the plans in place as well for, for stuff like that. Um, I would like to advise, really get more people involved, more minority women specifically involved in real estate investing. I would like to teach, guide, coach, and advise on how we can be uh, more proactive in real estate. I specifically love real estate because I don't think anyone is making any new land and we have the opportunity to get involved really and build for our families, right? Um, so post-COVID, I think it will be the same, just in a, in a more community-based aspect because I can engage more than one person at a time. Gotcha. So I definitely think, you know, women typically are not the financial uh, mindset, you know, in the home because they're worried about the kids and they're, you know, investing and finances is sometimes handled by the husband because of everything else, right? But the lines. And so I like what you said about getting more women, women of color involved into real estate and the thought, I think it's probably going to be some fears or some, hey, I don't understand it. So do you have any plans to address that maybe fear or that lack of confidence to move in that space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to backtrack and touch on something very quickly on women not generally being um, the financial planners or being involved in the finances at home. That is true. And of course, our, our focus is really on other things, which is absolutely fine. But we also, we tend to live longer. We also, when the kids leave, we're also there. And at some point we're going to become curious or at least want to be more involved in those things. So I I hope that we are becoming more of a generation that are active partners, even if we're the, you know, minor person in the situation, but we're still active partners in um, at least bringing ideas to the table as well. But yes, moving forward, I would love to cover that. I, I make myself available. I at this point, I probably make myself overly available to people who have questions or any of that. And I'm trying to figure out a way to 
pack some knowledge, some information, even if it's just in video format that people can access and address their basic fears and questions, right? Nothing is permanent. I mean, nothing is, um, is no, there, there's, there is always some kind of risk involved in whatever we are going to get into. And if the concern is about risk, we can talk through that, but it is necessary for all of us at this point to consider ways to um, contribute and provide investment opportunities. If we have any kids, it's something that they can continue with over time. And if we don't, something that can sustain us because whatever jobs that we have now are not gonna be permanent. Um, Our businesses, we don't know what's gonna happen post COVID. So it is necessary that we begin to collaborate and, and come together in a community style to think of ways to to get involved in something that is consistent. Mm-hmm. And I think real estate is one of those things where always, someone is going to always need a home to live in, always, regardless of what's going on. And so I want to go back to, you mentioned estate planning. You know, we have yes. these careers and we're busy building businesses. And I find that people don't always give estate planning the effort or the attention that is needed. So could you talk a little bit about what you're doing to help people with their estate planning or maybe give some resources for people to think about as they start putting those plans in place? Yeah, absolutely. So that is, I would say in my, in my practice, estate planning is the close second. Um, Real estate is a major part of what I'm doing or what I'm working on. Estate planning is a, it's right there. It's the next thing because I do believe you set up your business, you invest in some things. It is, absolutely necessary for you to determine what happens to all those things when you're not able to be here. Um, Whoever, there is no point doing all the work and contributing all this time and money and investments. And then when you pass away, it just goes poof in the air because you have made no plans for anybody else to benefit from it. And we generally do not plan very well. So I provide estate planning services. I advise and guide on your wills, your trusts, what kind of trust you want to set up. any, any, anything in that space really with providing for the future. I can, I, I work with my clients through that. And I find that my business clients specifically, especially when there are multiple people in the business, I always try to make sure that their operating agreements and their, um, their business setups consider what happens if one of them passes away, right? Like the, the partnership should be aware of, okay, do we want to distribute money to a family member? Do we want to give some sort of voting rights to a family member? Do we want to um, pass on a share of this business to a family member? And how do we get that done? So I try to advise people to consider their estate plan even before they get into their businesses, because that is something we don't think about until there's a, pro- a problem. COVID has made, has brought that to the forefront where, you know, now we're confronted with news of sickness and illness and death and people being in comas and not being able to pay their house, uh, to pay their mortgages because they don't have anyone with a power of attorney to go to their bank to do anything. Sometimes people assume estate planning only comes into play if you're actually dead. No, but there are times when someone may need to make decisions for you. And if you don't authorize anyone at all to make those decisions and there is no one available, then you you risk creating more problems for yourself, right? Because if you don't pay for a certain time, then something happens. Now you come back and you have to deal with all this chaos when you could have just planned for yourself in advance and been able to take care of things before they go, they go, uh, you know, they go bad. 
people have this innate fear that if I plan for my death, then I am you know, forecasting or I'm calling it closer. And I think the reality is we have to be just as thoughtful in the times and the days after we leave this earth as we are in building these brands and in our careers so that we can set our, our families up for success and just really put plans in place um, to be to be thoughtful. Because I have a girlfriend who is, she's actually my sorority sister and she pushes me on you know some stuff and she's like, hey, what does your estate plan look like? Don't make me be, you know, at the courthouse fussing because they won't do this for you. We got to do this. And so I really appreciate the the push from her, but it's in line, again, with your, your comments, right, around estate planning and making sure things are tied out legally. And it's great that you have someone like that in your corner, right? Not everyone has someone that will push them to do that or to think about that because we in a way I try to tell people that sometimes it's a little selfish especially if you have anyone that you love that might be here when you're not here because planning for them is not planning we are eventually we're all going to die so pulling it closer or further I don't think we're that powerful by signing a document (laughs) that by signing your estate plan you have now conjured up the you know your death date but I understand the psychology uh the psychology behind it however it's it's essential that we are a little selfless in the process, especially when there are young children or young people that cannot really plan for themselves, right? It is absolutely necessary that anyone that has kids, regardless of their age, should plan for themselves and their family when they should move forward. So someone knows what to do. It's less chaotic for them. So it's actually a very selfless thing to do. Well, I'm going to move to a segment that I call the playbook. And we're gonna ask you a few questions and I want you to give me like the first answer that comes to your mind. So my first question for you is, if you could speak to your 18 year old self, what would you tell Zaya? 18 year old self. It is all gonna be okay. Yeah, it's all going to be okay. 18, let's see what was going on at 18. 18, um, I had just moved to the States. Well, wait, do I give more detail or should I just give the answer? No, you can give more detail. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's all going to be okay because I think 18 was really, I was very worried. And I, I had just, I moved to the States in my early teens. So 13, 13, 14, my father passed away about 13. And, um... Right around 18, I was well, getting out of co- getting out of high school, thinking of college, and there was just a lot of concern. How am I going to pay for school? What's going to happen? You know, being an immigrant in the U.S., um, there is this constant thing of okay, what's what do I really what do I do? Because I don't think my mother was well informed as to things as simple as getting you know scholarships. So me talking to prof- you know counselors at school to figure out what to do. There was just a lot of unknown. I was in a space of a lot of unknown and I think I've always been ambitious. So I had all these dreams and plans, but I couldn't quite figure out how I was going to make it happen. Um, in hindsight, I, I could have just relaxed a little bit more, I think. Okay. That's good. We all were probably a little bit tense at that age, just because the power of the unknown, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> right. So if you had a billboard that you can write anything on, what would it say? 
and why? It would say you are a creator. Why? Because I don't think we all realize the power of our ability to create our own lives. I think a lot of times we, um, you know, we, we give up a certain power that we all have to an extent to create and cultivate and yeah, craft our own lives. Um, I think more people need to learn to trust that there is God is with us. There is a co-creation process and we all need to become more active in what we want our lives to be. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for bearing with me. I try not to give those questions before because I don't want you to have a premeditated answer. A pre-planned answer, not a problem. <laughs> it works. So talk to so give everyone some insight. You have a podcast as well. So talk to us about that. My podcast, my limited series podcast, um, Foshti. Can I say, well, Foshti means from our shithole countries to you. I don't know if you're going to edit that out, but from our shithole countries to you. Um, And Foshti, the idea came up after, of course, uh, the current president of the United States had made a comment about not wanting people from shithole countries, referring to mostly uh, African, Black, Caribbean countries at the time. And... I, you know, knowing my story and knowing several other people who are amazing contributors in their careers and their businesses and the services they provide, I thought, you know, this is interesting because the more I spoke to my non-African friends, there are certain things I would mention about my experience that I realized would completely throw them off. Um, I remember having a conversation and I told someone that I moved to the States at 13 and I was practically by myself on the plane with another cousin who was 14 and we had just moved, we were just moving countries. And she just thought it was the wildest thing on earth. She goes, wait, someone allowed you to get on a plane from Africa to the U.S. by yourself? Like, what, what is that? Um, so in conversations like that, I realized that there are certain things, of course, this is not the story for everyone. Everyone has a different um, immigration story. But it's just we don't talk about those things. We don't talk about those things to other people. We don't talk about what it's like of trying to adjust at 15 years old to a new country, how much we have to alter our accents very early on, you know, but then we go home and it sounds totally different. Those, the switches we have to make, the things we have to start pronouncing differently, how we have to constantly, you know, uh, address home, what we eat, where we eat it, just all the little details that we don't talk about. So I decided to invite a few friends and just talk about their stories and their um, their perspectives, really. Everyone, some people were born here, but they still have parents who are, um, of course, traditional in their African or Nigerian ways. And on the podcast, we just explore all those things. And those who are starting their own businesses or moving back to Nigeria and coming, just all kinds of variety of, of things. I, I have enjoyed talking and opening up and having other people open up to me about their personal stories. And hopefully I can get a chance to do it a bit more, but it's a limited series for now. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to have you on today uh, to talk about your experience coming from Nigeria to the States, having a one conversation that sparked the vision and birthed a idea in you that now you're carrying it out. I also love the title of the podcast uh, because this current administration has sparked so many 
interesting things in people, uh, but I like the way you owned it and using it for, for good. And wanted to give you the opportunity to let people know where they can find out more about yourself and about your business and about some of the great things that you have going on. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate you inviting me on the podcast and on, on this podcast. And it's been um it's been fun talking. So you can find me at Be Legal, A-B-I-I-L-E-G-A-L on social media, really on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Um, the website is www.abilegal.com and uh, Foshti, you can find Foshti Conversations on YouTube. You can watch and you can listen to the podcast really anywhere you get your podcasts on. That's Foshti, F-O-S-H-T-Y, Conversations. Um, but Abilegal is where you can find me. Instagram is probably the best way I try to be somewhat active and engage with others who have any questions or email me directly. I've I've had a few people email me about law, about law school, trying to get into law school or real estate planning. So I'm I'm available to talk. I like to engage with people and talk to people and provide any insight that I can. So feel free to reach out. Awesome, Zaya. Well, thank you. Thank you. I hope that you enjoy the conversation today. It's interesting that how one conversation can spark something within us and we utilize it as the premise to birth new initiatives, new businesses, and carry us forward. The conversation with Zaya hopefully will make you think about the things that you have allowed to lay dormant and now need to push forward. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Pretty Little Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Ebony Wiley. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please take a few minutes to subscribe and leave a review at www.prettylittleleader.com. You can also access show notes and other show-related information on the website. Life is a journey, and I'm so happy that you joined today. Till next time.